0: The shotgun snap final play of the game Ron waiting for the Whiteouts to get downfield launches the throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the net. Gordon Westerkamp, Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest. Oh baby! to throw is Martinez not being chased throws it out a Black Birkin makes a catch Simple tackle 25 20 15 10 5 Rex Burkhead
1: touchdown a all right everybody that was our fabulous guest uh Ian Flint the uh Texas tight end prospect that Nebraska is looking into and quite a other few schools are looking into so it was really cool to uh have him come on and chat with us and then just kind of talk about the process he's gone through thus far. You know, Drake, real quick, cause I know we're going to talk about tight ends and kind of do a little bit of everything tonight. Are yeah. you, you know, how do I want to put this coach rule and the way his personality is and kind of the way he connects to people like that's continuously brought up the last couple of guys we've talked to. Yeah, it is. Um, Doesn't that seem like that's been one a really big, missing component to the, what this program's needed. Just a guy uh, that kind of can relate to others. Um and, and I don't want to say be a mentor, but maybe kind of be that father figure. Because he's done yeah, before. Yeah,
0: it's definitely a different type of connection than we heard guys talk about in the past. Um and that's
1: not shitting on the previous guy by the way. That's no no just-
0: no absolutely absolutely not. I'm I'm not saying that at all. Um it's interesting that that is to me, it's interesting that that's the first thing brought up every time, as opposed to, um, you know, I, and this isn't me taking shots at other programs or anything like that. But usually, a lot of times when you hear people talk about Kirby Smart, uh, Nick Saban, um, and whoever else in that realm, it's they just pump guys out to the next level, like get guys to the next level. I don't hear as much of, man, we just have a really good relationship. Um, and so I think that's that's interesting in that difference to me. I don't know if it's better or worse, but it's definitely different.
1: yeah, and I, I I mean a guy like Kirby Smart and a guy like Saban, I feel like they don't necessarily have to do the relationship building as much because of the success they've had. Um, yeah, and
0: absolutely. the ability to
1: say, if you come here, I can get you here. And here's my track record of it with rule, you know, taking over a couple pretty floundering programs in Temple and um, Baylor. And then, well, now Nebraska, Uh, it seems like that's been one of the main things he's had to
0: get really goddamn good at is building relationships. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Um, And if he wasn't, then he wouldn't have had success at any of those previous stops either.
1: Well, no, because, I mean, one of his most successful players, uh, Hassan Reddick, when he was at Temple, I mean, was a low three-star. It was a dude that they had to develop. And look what he's doing now for the Eagles and uh, for the Cardinals previously. Like, that's a dude that wasn't recruited by the big guys, but worked his ass off and and
0: made something of it. So, 100%. It's it's also weird, too. I mean, this is going to go back into, like, prototypes and what they look for when they're recruiting. But I I find it really interesting. like Rule has put an emphasis on speed, right? And previous staffs did that as well. But it it's weird to me that his emphasis goes like, yes, he wants fast guys and he wants explosive guys, but it goes beyond that too. It's like, are they raw and they can be coached? Um, do they do they have a certain type of passion for the game? Like it's just weird to me, like, Frost and Riley absolutely wanted speed on the field, but they didn't always get football, the, like, football speed. They got track speed that didn't translate to football sometimes, or they got a track guy that they were trying to turn into a football player. Even when Rule is finding raw talent, they are football first guys.
1: Well, yeah, you've seen it with uh, Jeremiah Charles, uh, uh, Ismail Flores, Um uh, shit, uh, and then a couple of the other ones like Lloyd and um, uh, mm-hmm. Bryce Turner. Like you're seeing these guys that were that are ball players, serious ball players, but also happens to run track and be really damn good at it. Like that's what you want. Yeah,
0: one hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Are you? So speaking of guys that got track speed, Malachi Coleman's been at practice quite a bit as well. Are you? St- because I know I am a little bit. Are you starting to transition to think he, him, or maybe some of these freshmen may have a bigger impact than we thought? Freshman year.
0: Um. Yes and no. Uh I I think Malachi definitely has a chance, and I've thought that from day one. Um, but Malachi is one of the centerpieces of this recruiting class. So, him coming in and being at all these practices without being able to practice and, like, learning everything and seeing how it's done is going to help him be the leader for the freshman class when when the whole freshman class is there, right? Um, I don't know if he's going to contribute more than I expected him to because I expected him to, to step foot on campus and have a chance to contribute. Um, so... We'll see. I guess. I guess. Um, I. I guess if if he comes out and is a starter by week four or five, and leading the team in receptions, yeah, then he's definitely outperforming what I expected. But I expect him to get reps day one. Okay. See, I was completely on the other side of things.
1: I just thought that. I mean, I know he's physically gifted. Like you, you six foot five, two hundred plus pound guys that run four threes don't fall out of trees. Like he's tremendously physically gifted. I just didn't know if he was um, raw to the point, because he's only played two years of, of high school football. Was he too raw to really contribute his freshman year? Um, and he's got a fifteen-year-old um, wide receiver coach as well. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I
0: get, I, I, get where you're going with this. I just, I, I just uh... didn't
1: know if he would be able to put it together freshman year, um, just because of having the freshman yips, if you will.
0: Yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying for sure. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I thought they they were going to give him a shot, ch- shot at earning, earning reps and, and going out there and having a chance to contribute day one because a he is the centerpiece and b, he just strikes me as a guy that, when you put it. Like, Early on in his career, I don't know that they're going to have the faith and the trust that they want to have in him, but you got to give him an opportunity to sink or swim because he's that talented. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I
1: mean, you definitely got to get him reps out there. I just – I was wondering, you know, are those going to be, let's say, end-of-the-game reps when Nebraska is, fingers crossed, up on a team by 40, or are those going to be reps when that that game is tied – you know, 21-21 in the third quarter. You get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. I, I think he's going to get meaning, meaningful reps very early on. I, and think I it, I've, I've thought, I've thought that for a while.
1: Yeah, I, and I would love to be wrong with that. I, I would honestly love to be wrong with any of these freshman wide receivers really contributing their freshman years, um, just because it feels like that room really needs a shakeup top-down. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you've got a lot of returning guys, which, you know, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, a guy that we both know I'm I'm, I'm high on. I know you were as well. Um, yeah, I think it's great to have him back. He strikes me as a really good number two, number three guy.
0: Do you think yeah, that's no going
1: uh, to take the jump to finally kind of realizing his physical potential and take the number one spot?
0: Yeah, I – I don't know, man. it's hard. You're, you're a year out from playing meaningful football over a year out now. Now, granted, the physical talent was never the issue for him. Um it sounds like there there was other things that played not necessarily on the field for him, some of it on the field, obviously. Um I don't know that that wide receiver room, that that competition this spring it's something that I I wish I was paying a paying better attention to. Um I wish I had more eyes inside of practice giving me that info. Um I think I don't I don't know if you have a straight one guy this year. I, I think that room is talented enough to, you know, you have instead of having one guy with 70 catches, you have three guys with, with twenty-five.
1: That that makes sense. So a little bit more spreading the ball around, you know,
0: for for you don't some have reason the fourth feed the ball to one guy anymore.
1: That's true, but I also don't think you have that one guy like you had last year with Palmer. Now none of us thought that I mean, going Palmer's into the season it. either, but yeah, um, you know, Kemp is a dude that for some reason I keep getting stuck on is him for being kind of that number one guy, just because of his his stats he's put up at Virginia. He's just a tough dude, like he's. Only about 5'9", 180 pounds, but the dude's a gamer once he gets out on that field.
0: Uh, He's my early favorite to lead the team in receptions. Um, And it, it's not because he's more physically talented than anybody, although he is very physically talented. I just, you know, I think your slot guys, the guys who play in the slot, are those guys that lead you in receptions. And I think he he's a great slot guy, I think. He's a part of the reason why uh, Alante Brown is no no longer with the program.
1: Yeah, uh, we just kind of glossed over that, and we didn't even talk about that because, number one, I kind of forgot that he was still with the team because I know he had stepped away previously in this offseason and hasn't Mm -hmm. been around the team for quite some time now. Um, I know you were an Alante guy. What what are your feelings on him kind of stepping away and going into the portal?
0: Probably the right move for him. Um, I think. I think there's some issues off the field um, from some of the things I've heard. I'm and I won't get into it because it's all hearsay. I know nothing. Um, but I will say, if he had not been criminally underused previously, I think he'd still be here. Um, I, I I still think he was one of our best blocking receivers the last two years, and. The guy's a special talent. I, I wish him nothing the best elsewhere, but, uh, you know, we knew there was going to be more attrition throughout the spring. So we got to cut some scholarships yet. And as much as I would love to see some of those guys that I felt never really got their full full opportunity stick around and earn it with the staff, I respect that they got to do what's best for them. And, and I, I hope he has success anywhere else. He, uh, he got an offer today from Liberty, and I, I actually love Liberty for him. I think that's a great system for him.
1: Yeah, because who, who is the um, – and I don't know if you know us at the top of your head. Liberty, the last couple uh, head coaches have been more real offensively minded. Do you know who the head coach is down there? Uh,
0: why do I feel like it's Willie Korn?
1: Because uh, I – well, I know he was the OC at Coastal Carolina, but – Chadwell it's Jamie Chadwell
0: yeah Jamie Chadwell left
1: yeah but he went to Liberty
0: yes yes
1: okay yeah so maybe that's what it was so man Chadwell being down there I mean granted it's a little bit more of a well what he went at Coastal was kind of that spread option type system Mm -hmm. you know they could put up some damn yards so if they could get him in that system I'd love for that kid to be successful. You know, I remember being real excited when he committed. And Willie, um,
0: Willie Corn is, is there with him as well. So,
1: well, that's uh, not a bad way to go, right? Those coattails.
0: Yeah. And the white, I, sorry, I'm looking it up right now. I don't know why this name sounds so familiar to me. Uh, Tony Washington is the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach. Um, where was he? He was, oh yeah, he was with West Virginia yep. for the last few years.
1: Yeah, that's what I was pulling up too. Was West Virginia?
0: So I, I, I think that's a good fit for him.
1: I just want to see that kid successful and and actually, uh, you know, get some on field time. It kind of, it kind of bums you out. The last, <laughs> you know, you see these players all transfer out and how hyped up we all were with. Them coming in and committing and different things like that, but just how bad the development has been the last what eight years, criminal. ten years, criminal. I feel like the last we can narrow it down to a decade of complete neglect and and almost zero development in the program. Yeah, I mean, is that that that's three coaching staffs so that that accompanies?
0: Yeah. So, like, here's the weird thing too, right? Like. Bo did develop for the majority of his career. I think that relationship with iCourse got so sour that that he he was so busy fighting iCourse he couldn't focus on the team for whatever reason.
1: I mean, um, when you tell your boss to fire you on national TV and call his bluff and they don't fire you, that's a Yeah. That's a that's a fucking move there.
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely i mean um
1: that's, that's just but yeah i mean swinging.
0: it's pretty apparent that because because bo lived off of developing guys i mean some of his most dominant teams were guys that were not developed by the previous staff that brought him in and he turned them into legit players um
1: that's true that's why you yeah. almost had a uh, sue transfer
0: out yeah, it it Sue almost won a Heisman under him because they made him super special. Now, you know I have my other bones to pick with Bo um, beyond beyond his lack of recruiting and development at the end, but was it the cat? No, no, it's not the cat. Okay, I'm um, ass. As far as Riley's concerned. I think there's some guys that you can point to and say Riley did develop. Riley just didn't get – it's really hard to say that he absolutely didn't develop anybody when in reality he had two full off seasons.
1: That's true because he was going after three years, wasn't he?
0: Yeah. Um, You you could see the decline in development from Bo and – the way Riley's culture was, it was really hard to, to notice fast development because, I, dude, they yelled hip, hip, hooray after wins, and it just made me feel like they were soft, whether they truly were or weren't. Um,
1: That's what I say when I do good things too. So,
0: And then under Scott Frost, I, I know Chins is a hot name this last year because of what happened with Georgia Southern, but – I feel like he really did develop some of those those six year guys that that they took over from Riley, um, Deontay Williams. They developed. You could say they developed. Um, I feel like you had Jojo Gomez, Carlos system. Davis.
1: I mean Garrett Nelson. That's
0: that's a yeah, pretty, pretty, or a, a
1: pretty recent one.
0: Yeah, but I mean, from a whole, yeah, development was was abysmal. Is, is the nicest way to put it, Um, especially when you have a 4 year starter at quarterback who, you know, I'm a huge Adrian guy. I think a lot of the problem was more staff related and play calling and rhythm than it was hit. Him actually on the field. But he just never appeared to truly. Develop Um, the receiver room never really developed. That's why every year we had transfer receivers coming in. Um And the running back room has been pretty bad since Devon Zigbo left. So uh, at least on the offensive of, offensive side of the ball, outside of tight end, development has not existed for the at least the last five years.
1: Yeah, and and I mean you've seen extreme neglect on on both lines outside of kind of uh, yeah. Nelson. Uh, I mean on the offensive Mark side. Davis. Ball. Yeah, I mean, you've got your one or two, maybe three guys, but offensively, I mean, it's been, it's been rough. Well,
0: it's been rough. You know what? You know what's really wild about this? I'm glad you brought up the lines. Like, Matt Rule is very adamant that Bryce Benhart is an NFL offensive lineman, and he's yeah. gotten so much heat the last two years for for poor play. I
1: I know. If if I read some of my messages out loud, it would not be very kind.
0: Yeah,
1: um, not for me, but that I've gotten, (laughs) I've just been crucifying that game. uh, I'll let I'll let you off the hook. I don't think I did. They have been public, so (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think we've all said a thing or two.
0: um, Yeah, and it's not just him. I mean, but you know, I also said this too, and I don't know how much weight this carries, but I'm I'm sticking to it until I'm proven wrong. I think last year a huge part of the problem with the offensive line was play design and Casey not being able to see over the line and having to drop do make a five step drop and an eleven step drop, and it gave direct line around the tackles to him. I th- I truly think there's something to be said about that.
1: Yeah, because I I mean I think Thompson's listed is is he over six? He's listed six two, right? Why no. do I feel like or is it six two or five eleven? I don't know. I I, know I feel like li- it's
0: five eleven. I'm looking it up now.
1: Okay, so if he's listed at five eleven, he's five nine. It makes it really hard to see over a six foot nine tackle. He's listed at six foot. Okay, so he's five nine. Uh, <laughs> that's how that works, <laughs> I believe. Um, you know, that's that's tough when you're when you're that height trying to look over. You know, the 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 redwoods that are in front of you trying to block for you. Yeah, it's hard to throw through those windows unless you've got that vision. And there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks that have that vision.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, Yeah. I just, I, I think there's something to be said about that. And you know, if you have to make an 11 step drop to see over the line, so you can throw a long developing pass and the line D line now has a straight line rush to you. It doesn't, I don't really think it matters who is, playing tackle they're not going to look good um if you if you can't stay in what should be the design pocket and have that clear vision um you're going to put your line in a bad spot if you have to over over drop and i'm not blaming that on casey either i i put a lot of the blame on offensive woes last year on mark whipple
1: yeah, Whipple pretty much did what he's always done, um, and he continued it last year, and I guess we shouldn't really be too shocked about that. But, uh, but
0: you know what? I I don't think he did what he normally does because I felt like the year before at Pitt, there was a lot more easy routes, quick slants and drags, and for us, there wasn't that. It may, I, I don't know. Is, the, is that just... You have one of the fastest wide receivers in college football, and you're trying to take advantage of that, or that's my or can assumption. Casey that... not make, or can Casey not make that throw over the line? I, I don't know. I
1: well, and we've seen the intermediate passing game for the most part, not only you know, the last season, but really a, quite a last, the last few seasons suffering. Um,
0: I've been beating that drum for five years, with, seven years.
1: With, yeah, the inability to attack the linebackers shallow or the safety shallow to, you know, get that downfield play. it yeah. there's, there's been none of it, but there's been quite a few, you know, athletes at the tight end position to kind of open that up. I just, it's, it's kind of crazy the lack of utilization there the last few years.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So let's. Well, before we get tight ends, because we'll talk to tight ends real quick, did you watch the Ohio State um, spring game by chance?
0: Was it this weekend?
1: It was yesterday, so I don't think you did. So I just want to tell no. you, did you know Tristan Gebbia is still playing quarterback in college?
0: I did. I did know that.
1: I thought I heard that this offseason. Uh, but, yeah, he is in uh, contention for the – Ohio State starting quarterback job. I He's don't not know how really to feel in contention for
0: the starting job.
1: No, I just don't know how to feel about him still being out there throwing the ball around like
0: Jason White. Yeah, it. I he had he had to have gotten a medical shirt, right?
1: I don't think he played for two years. I think that's what it was. So I yeah, think he was but
0: your clock, your clock still ticks.
1: I know he I know he got at least one medical redshirt. I don't know. I think I've seen a, his story on ESPN once and it yeah, was. Yeah, he of has insane. at least
0: one medical redshirt. He redshirted here at Nebraska. Yep. He has the COVID year. Um yeah, so this is year six for him because he was one one year above Adrian. He would have had a natural five with his regular red shirt,
1: and then the COVID. So would maybe he didn't mistakes. get a medical
0: red shirt. Yeah, he still would have needed a medical red shirt.
1: Well, either way, he's still playing football.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: he's. The right, math is
0: hard for me right now. I'm a little hungover.
1: A little. That's okay. Well, uh, you know, I'll ask you a question about tight ends, and we'll let you go be hungover. <laughs> um, since we had a tight end on earlier, and we have a lot of athletic tight ends in the tight end room with a new tight end coach that we don't really know what to expect anything from. Yeah. Who are the tight ends? I guess who's going to be your number one tight end. Um, we'll say opening day. And is that the number one tight end at the end of the year? Um, I know that's a tough question because there's two of them. So,
0: well, here, here's the deciding factor for me. Um does Eric Gilbert's uh, exception get granted?
1: So I do remember when the transfer process started for Gilbert, what, two or three months ago when he went into the portal, Smart said that they'd sign off on that as soon as he found a home. So we'll see if he's a man of his word or not
0: on that. Yeah, but it just came out last week that Rules said that he knows he'll need an exception.
1: Yeah, yep. So um,
0: I think if the exception is granted – I, th- I think it's Gilbert, um, just because I know how dedicated this staff is going to be running to the ball, r- to running the ball, and I think he he's the dude's big enough to be a tackle. Um, so goddamn, he's I, big. Yeah, I I think he gets the leg up there, um, but I don't think Fedoni's far behind, and I I think Fedoni leads the two of them in receptions and yards and probably touchdowns. But I think Gilbert is technically tight end one, just because of his ability to block and and be an important, imposing force on the line. Yeah, I, I'm
1: gonna go the opposite. Just uh, just because I think Fedoni, after two years off, I think this is the year where he kind of wants to shut a lot of people up and show that you know he hasn't lost a step through the injuries and such. So I'm gonna go uh, Fedoni one. I'll go Gilbert two. Um, and then behind them, it, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that room fills in. And they seem to be bringing the long body types in, like, like uh, Smith
0: Flores. Uh, and, and, and Jiren Bonner's kind of uh, a hybrid. I forgot that they switched
1: him from that wide receiver spot to that kind of H-back tight end spot. Yep. He's he's a guy that back when he was down in Georgia and Nebraska kind of caught on with him late. He was kind of always an interesting big body type wide receiver.
0: Yeah, um, you know, we we Fitz specifically was very high on him going into la- last season. Um, I like Driver Bonner. I, I'm curious to know what's going to happen with AJ Rollins. It sounds like he's had a heck of a spring playing on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah. I think they he may finally be kind of leaning a little bit more
1: toward the defensive side, if I read correctly. Um, just where he, he, you know, they they seem to have found a home for him over there.
0: Yeah, no, that's what it sounds like to me. So Which is great I'm, because uh, I'm they're curious. gonna need that on that side of the ball. For sure. Um, um, I think at one point somebody one of the coaches said that they thought he was leading the team in sacks during scrimmages. Jesus.
1: And, and you know what that's you can't even really blame that on anyone uh misevaluating talent there because he was a defensive lineman and tight end in high school just you know it it, it took a year for his body to kind of blossom and a new set of eyes and a new defense but um that 335 is going to be fun to watch i feel like
0: yeah i i i, I don't know if i'm going to uh, ever acknowledge it as a 335 I, I think it's gonna be a true multiple front defense. Yeah, I don't, don't ever don't think, think it's said as much.
1: Like, like uh West Virginia under the Rich Rod days where they ran that real traditional yeah. strict three three five. I don't think we'll ever see that, which the body types you've got on roster, you've got a great roster for a hybrid defense where you want to switch things down or switch things mm-hmm. up and keep it, it moving, really.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So I'm I'm kind of excited to see that. Uh are you the spring game uh, Saturday?
0: uh i i do not know i believe we will be down there i don't know if we'll actually be at the game but i believe we'll be down there well shit well maybe we'll see you down there then um yeah but
1: uh drake i i think we had a lot of fun tight end talk this evening so you got anything else my man no i'm good buddy we'll uh we'll chat soon Awesome, brother. Well, thanks for joining me this evening. Once again, thank you to Ian Flint for uh, joining us earlier in the episode. We appreciate it, everybody. Have a great rest of your night and have a great week. We'll talk. All right, everybody. That was our fabulous guest, uh, Ian Flint, the uh, Texas tight end prospect that Nebraska is looking into and quite a other few schools are looking into. So it was really cool to uh, have him come on and chat with us and, and just kind of talk about the process he's gone through thus far. You know, Drake, Real quick, because I know we're going to talk about tight ends and kind of do a little bit of everything tonight. Are you, you know, how do I want to put this? Coach Rule and the way his personality is and kind of the way he connects to people, like that's continuously brought up the last couple of guys we've talked to. Yeah, it is. Um, Doesn't that seem like that's been one a really big missing component to what this program's needed? Just a guy uh, that kind of can relate to others. Um, and, and I don't want to say be a mentor, but maybe kind of be that father figure because he's done it yeah, before. Yeah, it's definitely
0: a different type of connection than we heard guys talk about in the past. Um, and that's not
1: shitting on the previous guy, by the way. That's no, no, a...
0: no, absolutely, absolutely not. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. Um, it's interesting that that is, to me, it's interesting that that's the first thing brought up every time as opposed to um you know I, and this isn't me taking shots at other programs or anything like that but usually a lot of times when you hear people talk about Kirby Smart, uh Nick Saban um and whoever else in that realm it's they just pump guys out to the next level like get guys to the next level I don't hear as much of man we just have a really good relationship um and so I think that's that's interesting in that difference to me. I don't know if it's better or worse, but it's definitely different.
1: Yeah. I I, I mean, a guy like Kirby smart and a guy like Saban, and I feel like they don't necessarily have to do the relationship building as much because of the success they've had. Um, yeah. And the absolutely. ability to say, if you come here, I can get you here. And here's my track record of it with rule, you know, taking over a couple pretty floundering programs in Temple and um, Baylor and then, well, now Nebraska. Uh, It seems like that's been one of the main things he's had to
0: get really goddamn good at is building relationships. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. Um, And if he wasn't, then he wouldn't have had success at any of those previous stops either.
1: Well, no, because, I mean, one of his most successful players, uh, Hassan Redick, when he was at Temple – I mean, was a low three star. It was a dude that they had to develop. And look what he's doing now for the Eagles and uh for the Cardinals previously. Like that's a dude that wasn't recruited by the big guys, but worked yeah. his ass off and, and
0: made something of it. So one hundred percent. It's it's also weird too. I mean, this is gonna go back into like prototypes and what they look for when they're recruiting, but I I find it really interesting. like Rule has put an emphasis on speed, right? And previous staffs did that as well. But it it's weird to me that his emphasis goes like, yes, he wants fast guys and he wants explosive guys, but it goes beyond that too. It's like, are they raw and they can be coached? Um, do they do they have a certain type of passion for the game? Like, it's just weird to me. Like, Frost and Riley absolutely wanted speed on the field, but they didn't always get football the like. Football speed. They got track speed that didn't translate to football sometimes, or they got a track guy that they were trying to turn into a football player. Even when rule is finding raw talent, they are football first guys.
1: Well, yeah, you've seen it with uh, Jeremiah Charles, uh, uh, Ismail Flores, um, uh, and then a couple of the other ones like Lloyd and um, uh, mm-hmm. Bryce Turner. Like you're seeing these guys that were that are ball players, serious ball players but also happens who run track and be really damn good at it. Like, that's what you want. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. Are you – so speaking of guys that got track speed, Malachi Coleman's been at practice quite a bit as well. Are you – because I know I am a little bit. Are you starting to transition to think he – him or maybe some of these freshmen may have a bigger impact than we thought freshman year?
0: Um. Yes and no uh i i think malachi definitely has a chance and i've thought that from day one um but malachi is one of the centerpieces of this recruiting class so him coming in and being at all these practices without being able to practice and like learning everything and seeing how it's done is going to help him be the leader for the freshman class when when the whole freshman class is there right um I don't know if he's going to contribute more than I expected him to because I expected him to to step foot on campus and have a chance to contribute. Um, so we'll see. I guess. I guess. Um, I. I guess if if he comes out and is a starter by week four or five and leading the team in receptions, yeah, then he's definitely outperforming what I expected. But I expect him to get reps day one. Okay. See, I was completely on the other side of things.
1: I just thought that. I mean, I know he's physically gifted. Like you you, six foot five, 200 plus pound guys that run four threes don't fall out of trees. Like he's tremendously physically gifted. I just didn't know if he was um, raw to the point because he's only played two years of of high school football. Was he too raw to really contribute his freshman year? Um, And he's got a 15 year old um, wide receiver coach as well. So, um, (laughs)
0: yeah no I get I I get where you're going with this I just I I just uh, didn't
1: know if he would be able to put it together freshman year um just because of having the freshman yips if you will
0: yeah no I get I get what you're saying for sure I I don't know man I I I thought they they were going to give him a shot shot at earning earning reps and and going out there and having a chance to contribute day one because, A, he is the centerpiece, and, B, he just strikes me as a guy that when you put it – like early on in his career, I don't know that they're going to have the faith and the trust that they want to have in him, but you got to give him an opportunity to sink or swim because he's that talented. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, you definitely got to get him reps out there. I just – I was wondering, you know, are those
1: going to be – Let's say end of the game reps when Nebraska is fingers crossed up on a team by 40, or are those going to be reps when that, that game is tied, you know, 21, 21 in the third quarter. You get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah. no, I get what you're saying. I, I think he's going to get meaning, meaningful reps very early on. I and think I, it- I've, I've thought, I've thought that for a while.
1: Yeah, and I would love to be wrong with that. I I would honestly love to be wrong with any of these freshman wide receivers really contributing their freshman years, um, just because it feels like that room really needs a shakeup, top down. Yeah, um, I mean you, you've got a lot of returning guys, which you know Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, a guy that we both know. I'm 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 high on. I know you were as well. Um, yeah, I think it's great to have him back. He strikes me as a really good number two, number three guy. Do you
0: think that's yeah, no can
1: take the, uh, to take the jump to finally kind of realizing his physical potential and take the number one spot?
0: Yeah. I, I don't know, man. It's hard you're, you're a year out from playing meaningful football over a year out now. Now, granted the physical talent was never the issue for him. Um, it sounds like, there, there was other things that played not necessarily on the field for him some of it on the field obviously um i don't know that that wide receiver room that that competition this spring is something that i i wish i was paying a paying better attention to um i wish i had more eyes inside of practice giving me that info um i think, I don't. I don't know if you have a straight one guy this year. I. I think that room is talented enough to, you know, you have instead of having one guy with seventy catches, you have three guys with with twenty five.
1: That that makes sense. So a little bit more spreading the ball around. You know,
0: for for you don't some have reason, able to fourth speed the ball to one guy anymore.
1: That's true, but I also don't think you have that one guy like you had last year with Palmer. Now none of us thought that I mean, going into the special. season either. But
0: yeah.
1: Um, you know, Kemp is a dude that for some reason I keep getting stuck on is him for being kind of that number one guy. Just because of his his stats he's put up at Virginia. He's just a tough dude. Like he's only about five nine, 180 pounds, but the dude's a gamer once he gets out on that field.
0: Uh he's my early favorite to lead the team in receptions. Um and it, it's not because he's more physically talented than anybody, although he is very physically talented. I just, you know, I think your slot guys, the guys who play in the slot are those guys that lead you in receptions. So, and I think he he's a great slot guy. I think he's a part of the reason why uh, Alante Brown is no, long, no longer with the program.
1: Yeah, uh, we just kind of glossed over that. And we didn't even talk about that because, number one, I kind of forgot – that he was still with the team because I know he had stepped away previously in this offseason season and hasn't mm-hmm. been around the team for quite some time now. Um, I know you were an Alante guy. What's, what are your feelings on him kind of stepping away and going into the portal?
0: Probably the right move for him. Um, I think, I think there's some issues off the field um, from some of the things I've heard I'm, and I won't get into it because it's all hearsay. I know nothing, um, but, I will say if he had not been criminally underused previously, I think he'd still be here. Um, I, I I still think he was one of our best blocking receivers the last two years. And the guy's a special talent. I, I wish him nothing the best elsewhere, but, uh, you know, we knew there was going to be more attrition throughout the spring. So we got to cut some scholarships yet. And as much as, I would love to see some of those guys that i felt never really got their full full opportunity stick around and earn it with the staff i respect that they got to do what's best for them and and i i hope he has success anywhere else he uh he got an offer today from liberty and i I actually love liberty for him i think that's a great system for him
1: Yeah, because who who is the – and I don't know if you know us at the top of your head. Liberty, the last couple uh, head coaches have been real offensively minded. Do you know who the head coach is down there?
0: Uh, Why do I feel like it's Willie Korn?
1: Uh, Because I – well, I know he was the OC at Coastal Carolina, but uh, Chadwell, it's Jamie Chadwell.
0: Yeah, Jamie Chadwell left.
1: Yeah, but he went to Liberty.
0: Yes,
1: yes. Okay, Yeah. So maybe that's what it was. So, man, Chad will be in down there. I mean, granted, it's a little bit more of a, well, what he went at Coastal was kind of that spread option type system. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, they could put up some damn yards. So if they could get him in that system, I, I'd love for that kid to be successful. You know, I remember being real excited when he committed um, to Chicago. And
0: his, Willie Corn is there with him as well, so.
1: Well, that's uh, not a bad way to go, right? Those coattails.
0: Yeah, and the white – sorry, I'm looking it up right now. I don't know why this name sounds so familiar to me. Uh, Tony Washington is the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach. Um, where was he? He was – oh, yeah, he was with West Virginia yep. for the last few years.
1: Yeah, that's what I was um, pulling up too was West Virginia –
0: so I, I I think that's a good fit for him.
1: I just want to see that kid successful and and actually uh, you know get some on field time. It it kind of it kind of bums you out the last <laughs> you know you see these players all transfer out and how hyped up we all were with them coming in and committing and different things like that. But just how bad the development has been the last what eight years criminal. ten years criminal. I feel like the last. We can narrow it down to a decade of complete neglect and almost zero development in the program. Yeah, I mean, is that I that don't... that's three coaching staffs that that companies
0: Yeah, so like, here's the weird thing too, right? Like, Bo did develop for the majority of his career. I think that relationship with Eichhorst got so sour that that he. He was so busy fighting I-Course, he couldn't focus on the team, for whatever reason.
1: I mean, um, when you tell your boss to fire you on national TV and call his bluff, and they don't fire you, that's a yeah, that's a that's a fucking move there.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, um,
1: that's that's just but going yeah, I mean, swinging.
0: it's pretty apparent that because because Bo lived off of developing guys. I mean some of his most dominant teams were guys that were not developed by the previous staff that brought him in. And he turned them into legit players. Um,
1: That's true. That's why you yeah. almost had a uh, Sue transfer
0: out. Yeah. And Sue almost won a Heisman under him because they made him super special. Now, you know, I have my other bones to pick with Bo um, beyond beyond his lack of recruiting and development at the end, but was it the gap? No, no, it's not the cat. Okay, I'm um, As far as Riley's concerned, I think there's some guys that you can point to and say Riley did develop. Riley just didn't get it's really hard to say that he absolutely didn't develop anybody when in reality he had two full off seasons.
1: That's true, because he was going after three years, wasn't he?
0: Yeah. Um you you could see the decline in development from Bo, and the way Riley's culture was, it was really hard to, to notice fast development because I do. They yelled hip hip hooray after wins, and it just made me feel like they were soft, whether they truly were or weren't. Um,
1: that's what I say when I do good things, too. So,
0: and then under Scott Frost, I I know Chins is a hot name this last year because of what happened with Georgia Southern, but I feel like he really did develop some of those those six year guys that that they took over from Riley, um, Deontay Williams. They developed. You could say they developed. Um,
1: I feel like yeah, JoJo Gomez, Carlos something. Davis. I mean Garrett Nelson.
0: That's that's a yeah, pretty, pretty, or a, a
1: pretty recent one.
0: Yeah, but I mean. From a whole, yeah, development was was abysmal, is, is the nicest way to put it. Um, especially when you have a four-year starter at quarterback who, you know, I'm a huge Adrian guy. I think a lot of the problem was more staff-related and play-calling and rhythm than it was hit him actually on the field. But he just never appeared to truly develop. Um, the receiver room never really developed. That's why every year we have transfer receivers coming in. Um, and the running back room has been pretty bad since Devana Zigbo left. So, uh, at least on the office, offensive side of the ball, outside of tight end, development has not existed for the, at least the last five years.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, you've seen – extreme neglect on on both the lines outside of kind of Nelson. Yeah. Uh I mean on the offensive Mark side ball. Yeah I mean you've got your one or two maybe three guys but offensively I mean it's been it's been rough well,
0: it's been rough You know what you know what's really wild about this I'm glad you brought up the lines like Matt Rule is very adamant that Bryce Benhart is an NFL offensive lineman and yeah. He's gotten so much heat the last two years for for poor play. I
1: I know. If if I read some of my messages out loud, it would not be very kind. Yeah, um, not from me, but that I've gotten, <laughs> that I've just been crucifying that game. Uh, uh, I'll let
0: I'll let you off the hook. I don't think I did.
1: They have been public, so <laughs> um,
0: I, I I think we've all said
1: a thing or two. Um, yeah, and it's ben not Hart. just
0: him. I mean but you know i also said this too and i don't know how much weight this carries but i'm i'm sticking to it until i'm proven wrong i think last year a huge part of the problem with the offensive line was play design and casey not being able to see over the line and having to drop do make a five step drop and an eleven step drop and it gave direct line around the tackles to him i i truly think there's something to be said about that
1: yeah, cause I—I I mean, I think Thompson's listed is—is he over six? He's listed six two, right?
0: Why no. do I feel like
1: or is it six two or five eleven? I don't know. I—I feel like listed. it's
0: five eleven. I'm looking it up now.
1: Okay, so if he's listed at five eleven, he's five nine. Um, it makes it really hard to see over a six foot nine tackle. He's listed at six foot. Okay, so he's five nine. Um, that's how that works, <laughs> I believe um you know that's that's tough when you're when you're that height trying to look over you know the 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 redwoods that are in front of you trying to block for you yeah it's hard to throw through those windows unless you've got that vision and there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks that have that vision
0: yeah no for sure for sure um yeah i just i i think there's something to be said about that and you know If you have to make an eleven-step drop to see over the line, so you can throw a long developing pass, and the line D line now has a straight-line rush to you, it doesn't. I don't really think it matters who is playing tackle. They're not going to look good. Um, If you if you can't stay in what should be the design pocket and have that clear vision, um, you're going to put your line in a bad spot if you have to over. Overdrop. And I I'm not blaming that on Casey either. I I put a lot of the blame on offensive woes last year on Mark Whipple.
1: Yeah, Whipple pretty much did what he's always done. Um and he continued it last year. And I guess we shouldn't really be too shocked about that. But,
0: uh, but you know what? I I don't think he did what he normally does because I felt like the year before at Pitt, there was a lot more easy routes, quick slants and drags. And for us, there wasn't that. It may I. I don't know. Is, the, is that just you have one of the fastest wide receivers in college football, and you're trying to take advantage of that? Or that's my or assumption. That... Not make or can Casey not make that throw over the line? I, I don't know. I
1: well, and we've seen the intermediate passing game for the most part, not only you know last season, but really a, quite a last the last few seasons suffering.
0: Um, I've been beating that drum for five years seven years
1: with yeah the inability to attack the linebackers shallow or the safety shallow to you know get that downfield play it there's there's been none of it but there's been quite a few you know athletes at the tight end position to kind of open that up i just it's it's kind of crazy the lack of utilization there the last few years yeah for sure so let's well, before we get tight ends, because we'll talk tight ends real quick, did you watch the Ohio State um, spring game by chance?
0: Was it this weekend?
1: It was yesterday, so I don't think you did. So I just want to tell no. you, did you know Tristan Gebbia is still playing quarterback in college?
0: I did. I did know that.
1: I thought I heard that this offseason. Uh, but, yeah, he is in uh, contention for the – Ohio State starting quarterback job. I He's don't not know how really to feel in contention
0: for the starting job.
1: No, I just don't know how to feel about him still being out there throwing the ball around like
0: Jason White. Yeah, it. I, he, had, he had to have gotten a medical red shirt, right?
1: I don't think he played for two years. I think that's what it was. So I yeah, think he was, but
0: your clock your clock still ticks.
1: I know he I know he got at least one medical redshirt. I don't know. I think I've seen a, his story on ESPN once, and it yeah, was kind he has of at least
0: one medical redshirt. He redshirted here at Nebraska. Yep, he has the COVID year. Um, cause yeah, so this is year six for him because he was one one year above Adrian. He would have had a natural five with his regular red shirt.
1: And then the COVID. So maybe he didn't get a medical
0: red shirt. Yeah. He still would have needed a medical red shirt.
1: Well, either way, he's still playing football.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Math is
0: hard for me right now. I'm a little hungover.
1: A little. That's okay. Well, uh, (laughs) you know, I'll ask you a question about tight ends and let you go be hungover. (laughs) Um, Since we had a tight end on earlier and we, have a lot of athletic tight ends in the tight end room with a new tight end coach that we don't really know what to expect anything from. Yeah. Who are the tight ends? I guess who's going to be your number one tight end. Um, we'll say opening day. And is that the number one tight end at the end of the year? Um, I know that's a tough question because there's two of them. So,
0: well, here, here's the deciding factor for me. Um does Eric Gilbert's uh, exception get granted?
1: So I do remember when the transfer process started for Gilbert, what, two or three months ago when he went into the portal, Smart said that they'd sign off on that as soon as he found a home. So we'll see if he's a man of his word or not
0: on that. Yeah, but it just came out last week that Rules said that he knows he'll need an exception.
1: Yeah, yep. So
0: um, I think if the exception is granted – I, th- I think it's Gilbert. Um, just because I know how dedicated this staff is going to be running to the ball, r- to running the ball, and I think he he's – the dude's big enough to be a tackle. Um, so Goddamn, I, he's I, big. Th- yeah, I, I think he gets the leg up there. Um, but I don't think Fedoni's far behind. And I I think Fedoni leads the two of them in receptions and yards and probably touchdowns. But I think Gilbert is technically tight end one just because of his ability to block and, and be an imposing force on the line. Yeah, I,
1: I'm going to go the opposite just uh, just because I think Fedoni after two years off, I think this is the year where he kind of wants to shut a lot of people up and show that you know he hasn't lost a step through the injuries and such. So I'm going to go uh, Fedoni one. I'll go Gilbert two. Um, and then behind them, it, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that room fills in. And they seem to be bringing the long body types in, like like uh, Smith
0: Flores. And, and uh, Jiren Bonner's kind of uh, a hybrid. I forgot that they switched
1: him from that wide receiver spot to that kind of H-back tight end spot. Yep. He's he's a guy that back when he was down in Georgia and Nebraska kind of caught on with him late. He was kind of always an interesting big body type wide receiver.
0: Yeah, um, you know, we we fits specifically was very high on him going into la- last season. Um, I like Driver Bonner. I, I'm curious to know what's going to happen with AJ Rollins. It sounds like he's had a heck of a spring playing on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah. I think they he may finally be kind of leaning a little bit
1: more toward the defensive side, if I read correctly. Um, just where he, he, you know, they they seem to have found a home for him over there.
0: Yeah, no, that's what it sounds like to me. So Which is great I'm, because uh, I'm they're curious. gonna need that on that side of the ball. For sure. Um, um I think at one point somebody one of the coaches said that they thought he was leading the team in sacks during scrimmages. Jesus.
1: And, and you know what that's you can't even really blame that on anyone uh misevaluating talent there because he was a defensive lineman and tight end in high school just you know it, it it took a year for his body to kind of blossom and a new set of eyes and a new defense but um that 335 is going to be fun to watch i feel like
0: yeah i i i, I don't know if i'm going to uh, ever acknowledge it as a 335 I think it's gonna be a true multiple front defense. Yeah, I don't it, ever I don't think white said as much.
1: Like, like uh West Virginia under the Rich Rod days where they ran that real traditional yeah. strict three three five. I don't think we'll ever see that, which the body types you've got on roster, you've got a great roster for a hybrid defense where you want to switch things down or switch things mm-hmm. up and keep it, it moving, really.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So I'm I'm kind of excited to see that. Uh are you into spring game uh, Saturday?
0: uh i i do not know i believe we will be down there i don't know if we'll actually be at the game but i believe we'll be down there well shit well maybe we'll see you down there then um yeah but
1: uh drake i i think we had a lot of fun tight end talk this evening so you got anything else my man no i'm good buddy we'll uh we'll chat soon Awesome, brother. Well, thanks for joining me this evening. Once again, thank you to Ian Flint for uh, joining us earlier in the episode. We appreciate everybody. Have a great rest of your night, and have a great week. We'll talk.
0: Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be
1: Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red. (laughs) A Herd at Sports Network production.